Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Movie Mumble, your monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where four friends talk about movies together. I'm your host, Scott Murray, and I'm joined today by my fellow sacrifices, Joel the Whore. Hello. Tim the Scholar. Hello. Zeke the Athlete. Oh, hello. <laughs> and I sure, I sure ain't no virgin, so I must be the fool. <laughs> Especially coming together with these three. Good God, help me out. Um, <laughs> those of you unfamiliar, Movie Mumble is just a monthly discussion podcast where we uh, take turns picking a movie, then we watch it together, and then we talk about it. We can pick any film, new or old, live action or animated, foreign or domestic, one we've seen before or never seen. There aren't really any rules. And uh, we talk about the movies as we go. So if you're worried about spoilers, watch a film before you listen to its podcast. And at the end of each episode... We announce what we're watching next month, so you can watch along with us if you'd like. Uh, this month, I, well, quote-unquote, I, I didn't really know what to pick, so my girlfriend Sarah did something, and I went, yes, I've been wanting to talk about this for ages. So we picked The Cabin in the Woods, a horror movie, or is it, <laughs> you know? It's, <laughs> I, um, normally, we'll, we start with the summary of the film from the movie selector but as i also do the intro i want to break things up and this is one of the films we've all seen before which doesn't happen very often so before i just i explain the film uh would you three talk about your understanding of the film before we watched it for the podcast where you're coming from zeke would you like to start us off sure i can start um yeah so it's one and I, I, I think that's a good question because I really do think it changed a lot um, with my first viewing to my second viewing. Um, you know, I can't and remember. Just your second viewing? Yeah, I think just okay. the second. Yeah. Same here. Um, yes, me too. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I think we'd all <laughs> seen it multiple times for some reason, just like me, but okay. How, no. how many have you seen it? How many times? I don't know, like six, seven. Okay. It's one I just toss on, you know, I don't, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was almost like a first viewing for me. I can't remember it in past discussions or horror movie discussions um, how much I've shared, but I, I will just generally say that I think my uh, relationship to horror movies as, as I don't know, it's unique. It's hard to put uh, a label on because I definitely did watch a lot of scarier movies as a kid. I think my gateway to those though was... Um, was scary movie, you know, and, and a good comedy parody, right? Um, so I don't know. I appreciate this one for being a satire and having those comedy elements. Um, I think I liked scary movie as a kid because I was that kind of, you know, I hate jump scares still. Um, and I was always kind of nervous going into them as a kid, um, even though I had seen plenty. But anytime I did, I just would like work up this whole thing and like was really, um, really not wanting to see it. Right. Um, so I think with this one, when this one first rolled around, um, I didn't, I don't know that I quite remembered it having that much of a, uh, like going into it. Right. I didn't realize it was going to be a satire. I think going into it the first time I thought it was just a straight up, uh, horror movie. I couldn't remember how much of the twist. So I went back and watched the trailer, um, and realized they do give you some like snippets, and some hints in the trailer um, that it's not necessarily your straight cut horror movie. Um, but yeah, I think I, that's what I was expecting the first time I saw it. 
and um, was kind of taken aback or just kind of caught off guard with how, I mean, they don't, the first scene, right, is in the lab and they're kind of controlling things already and you kind of get the reaction to, um, you know, which which monster they summoned um, pretty early on and just all of these conversations with them manipulating it, um, manipulating the cabin in the woods um, kind of early on and then throughout the movie. Uh, so I think I was ready for that this time and I, I think I appreciated it that much more um, knowing that, right? So I think the first time I saw it, I was really building it up and like, oh, it's going to be the scary, terrifying movie full of jump scares. And then it wasn't that. And then seeing it this time, knowing that I was fired up to see it. Um, also as the self-proclaimed Drew Goddard uh, president of that fan club after bad times at the El Royale and Daredevil, uh, I was excited to watch it again. And, and we, you know, with that lens, I, I, I like his work and um, yeah. So I think I definitely got a lot out of it watching it the second time. Yeah. For me, it's yeah, very, very similar. I, uh, yeah, I think the first time I watched it, yeah, same thing, like, just going into it, like, okay, it's going to be a horror movie. I, I forget at what point I realized, like, um, that Joss Whedon, like, he co-wrote it, I think, with, with Drew Goddard, I think it was. Um, so the sole writing credit is Joss's. He produced it, but Goddard directed it. That's, oh, okay. I, I, I found that out. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, so I, I can't remember if that was part of what pushed me to see it or if it was kind of, like, a nice surprise as I was watching it. Um but yeah, that was, that was definitely like added to my enjoyment of it the first time. Yeah. I remember being kind of just like confused about the whole thing with the, yeah, the guys in the lab coats, like what is going on? Um, and I think, I, I think after I watched it that first time, like there was a part of me that didn't want to watch it again, you know, because that experience of kind of going through that journey of, okay, this is a standard horror film. And then little by little, like, oh, there's something else going on here in that, in that big reveal. And, you know, by now we've, we, we, we have seen so many things that have a twist, you know, and okay, we got to rewatch it and kind of watch it with new, new eyes. And I, I kind of almost didn't want to do that, you know? Um, so, so I think it was nice doing it for this because there was enough time in between where I had been away from it. Um, I mean, I remembered most of what, had happened, you know, and most of how it kind of played out. So I feel like it, it also did a really good job of not making it kind of too, too clever for its own good kind of thing, you know, where it's like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to do all this stuff and it's going to be confusing. And then, oh, but it's all worth it because of the twist, you know, like, I feel like, you know, it, it yeah, it almost wasn't a horror movie in that sense, because it was more about telling, telling that story. Um, yeah. And I remember there were, yeah, being, I forget how scared I was the first time watching it, but yeah, going into it this time, it was like almost nothing to really be scared of, you know, it was more just entertaining, you know, and yeah, I really enjoyed that kind of knowing, you know, now that I did have to kind of watch it a second time, okay, you know how this ends, you know, you're going to look for all these things and know what all these little things mean and, you know, find all these connections and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, also, I had forgotten that they, it's kind of funny. I don't know if you watch the credits, but in the credits, they kind of uh, not give away a lot of stuff. But like, for example, the little girl bar- ballerina or, or maybe it's another person is like a, a sugar plum fairy, you know, so they actually have like a name for that. And then there's a what was that? I think there, there are another characters called dismemberment goblins. Yep. You know, and like, so they're just that they kind of board with yeah. all the monsters written from the bedding. So oh, that's right. Go through yeah. that for sure. 
Yeah. There's witches nice. okay. and then there's sexy witches. Two different categories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, no, so it's it's yeah, it's definitely great. I definitely I mean, as I'm watching it, it was funny too, because I was like, you know, I know I brought Exorcist for my Halloween pick, but I think that might be my favorite horror movie because it's you know, because it's so meta and because it it, it takes that to the next level. Like even, you know, even with like with, with Scream, there was that degree of like, oh, these are the rules of a horror movie. Um, but you know, it, which which was all well and good, but I feel like what this did was it, it almost made it like a new kind of horror movie. I think because it raised the stakes so much, you know. Um, and it, although, however, like you almost don't feel that that much because you don't know it till the end, and by then it's too late, and the and the world ends, you know. But I was like, what? How many horror movies do that? We're like, yeah, we're just we're just gonna end it all. Like that's that's where this goes, you know. We don't, you know, and and you're you know how they make it so it's like, wait, should I be rooting? for this group of people who are putting these sacrifices in so we can keep our world going. Um, so anyway, yeah, like it was, it was really cool watching it a second time finally to kind of think about all those, that the, the other layer of it, you know, which I, and I almost wonder too, if it, if it kind of gets its full appreciation, cause I don't hear it talked about too much, you know, and, and I feel like it should be like, it's you know, in a lot of ways. It's really, it's really brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, but yeah, yeah. So I was stoked when you picked it. So yeah. Good. Cool. Yeah. Really glad to hear you say that, Joel. So going into watching it the first time, um, I feel like in every circle that I am in, people were recommending me this film, especially as I was getting into horror and starting like doing the 31 days of horror for uh, October and all of that stuff. So everybody's like, have you watched this yet? Have you watched Cabin in the Woods that kept coming up? And I, I was wait, I had heard that it was really self-referential to the genre. And I was like, I want to see what the genre is, what this is based on before I see it. A lot of people just assured me I didn't need to. Um, maybe there, there's a couple missteps. I don't, I don't think I like this movie. And I don't know how I feel about that feeling. <laughs> um, and I remember going into it, Tim, you, you st- spoiled the ending for me in a, in a movie mumble episode. Like, oh, that's right. So before I had seen it <laughs> and I had had a little bit of distance, but I kind of knew that there was something bigger at the end. So that, that, that kind of colored it in a certain way. And then watching it, I, 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 the first time I was like, this is pretty clever. I like what it's doing. I like that. It's kind of refer referencing and kind of comp compiling all of these horror tropes and kind of undermining them to a certain extent in, in certain things, but it was fun. It was kind of a, a cool twist on it. Um, and then kind of at the end, I was like, yeah, that was, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like uh, earth shattering, but it was enjoyable. I liked it fine. Coming into watch, I couldn't remember kind of all of the, I remembered basically that there's the frame, right. Of, of setting up all of this, but, this time watching, I was like, I was writing my preliminary thoughts as the, the credits were rolling. I was like, all I, I'm, I'm trashing it. Why am I trashing it? Do I, I, I don't remember. Do I not remember it? And then as I'm watching it, I, I just, this time I, I was kind of lukewarm on it this time. And, and we can kind of get into that. I don't want to, I was hoping to avoid going last. I didn't want rave reviews and then Joel bring us down before the person who brought it. No, but I there is a connection there because I also had it spoiled for me before I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember how. I don't even remember the first time I saw it. I think it was at college with my roommates one night. I I don't know, but I remember just having a lot of fun. Like 
despite this movie being very violent and having some some scares it's it's a feel-good movie for me <laughs> you know like the indiana jones films i'll just toss them on whenever because it's just a really good time and it's maybe it's just more about me but well it's also i think what you 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 put it really well it's like something you just put on in the background like that this is yeah. the kind of horror in quotation mark i i I don't know if I'm just being a snob up my own ass about it, but I don't. I don't know if I if it's horror to me. Well, um, you're right about like like even with Alien, which I know obviously I know what happens. I've seen it a bunch, but every time I watch it, I'm still scared. Every time, mm-hmm. Cabin in the Woods, I'm not remotely scared at all. Partly just because I don't know. Again, like knowing what happened made it less scary, but also that didn't feel like the point of the film right. somehow. You know, it feels like they wanted you to sit down thinking you were going to be terrified, but then they they weren't there to do that for you. So I, I don't know. I just and I I really like the fact that the whole film is a reframing of all of the tropes of horror. That's mostly what I like about this and why I picked it. Um, so I'll I'll summarize the film now real quick. Uh, at, at, on the surface, it's just your standard teen horror film. You know, five. Uh, you know, sexy young adults go to an isolated cabin. Um, they mess with some creepy stuff in the basement, and monsters start to kill them. Oh no! But the thing is, the whole time you're seeing these shots of the lab, this clean laboratory control panel space, with a whole range of people from all different departments manipulating events to kill these people on purpose, and then specifically manipulating events to kill these people in very particular ways with rules and. You know, as mentioned, uh, the whole crux here is that there are these ancient, unbelievably powerful, unknowable gods that will destroy all of existence unless once a year they get a sacrifice. And there are rules about the sacrifice, right? There has to be the five types of survivor, the whore, the athlete, the scholar, the fool, the virgin, who can either die last or not at all. Again, another trope from horror films, you know, there are all these kinds of supernatural creatures that are genuinely just freaking magic right i don't obey physics or things because they come from these gods as tools to kill for sacrifice so it's a great reframing of the things we just kind of take for granted in horror films and a great sort of meta explanation i guess and uh, you know in the end some of our our supposed victims break into the secret lab and find out what's going on and they release a bunch of the monsters and all hell breaks loose and I just, I like, it's so creative, right? I love the the self-examination that it brings to the table. And then, like I said, that it's not really, even though it's violent, it kind of drops the horror, like it stops trying to make you afraid, right? It stops pretending to be a horror film pretty early on. So you can just watch it and enjoy the ride and enjoy the uncovering of the mystery. So yeah, I guess that answers both the summary and the why I brought it to the podcast. Um... Let's talk a little bit about horror in general, if we can. You might end up leading us here, Joel, but I, for the I audience, I set up some of the standard. <laughs> well, you might just end up doing that because you know a lot, but let's just set up some of the standards that this film is sending up. Because I didn't, hadn't seen a lot of horror before this, but I was aware of most of these tropes anyway. Mm-hmm. They're just like what you said, Joel. People told you, you know, you don't need to watch all the old horror movies before seeing this. I contest that you didn't you can just go see this and you'll get it the tropes are pretty prevalent but do you want to talk about what those are and some good examples well i'm just kind of i i had screenshotted the um whiteboard 
and um yeah i've got that here yeah hell lord is clearly hell hellraiser with the mm-hmm. the kind of right. instead of a box it's the a sphere and he's got head instead of pinheads he's got kind of the the circular saw blades mm-hmm. um they even reference deadites by name i mean this is dripping with evil dead army of darkness yeah. evil dead 2 vibes like it, it i mean you see the cat it's the same design of the cabin and when they arrive, they go to a shot from the floor, which was a technique that they invented on Evil Dead 1, drag, putting the camera at ground level. And that's how the kind of uh, incorp- incorporeal spirit follows them through kind of... And they, they discovered that by accident. <laughs> they didn't know how to make a horror movie and they were learning as they went. So that kind of... That is a direct reference. Um, the twins are straight out of uh, The Shining, presumably. Right, there's a Kevin on the whiteboard, which I think is really funny because what we have to talk about Kevin, I guess, is I haven't seen that horror movie. Clowns, witches, sexy witches. I mean, angry molesting tree is obviously from Evil Dead. I don't, maybe not obviously. I don't know if anybody else has heard that. Um, Two is essentially a remake movie, man. Angry molesting tree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And of course, a lot of the generic stuff, right? Vampires, zombies, race, mutants. I like that they have Sasquatch, Wendigo, and Yeti all kind of in this on the same line. So any of mm-hmm. those, um, the Doctors, which I think is a reference to, um, oh shit, Last House on the Left, um, Giant Jack See, I don't anyway. know that one, but I even these things you're mentioning the references for that I don't know the references. I just know that these are horror monsters, right? Right. Yeah, I you know I never would have I don't know what deadites are because I haven't seen the Evil Dead movies yet. So like that, I just figured I, deadites, I need to sure, fix more that. monsters. <laughs> who cares, right? The deadites, whatever. Like they're a kind of zombie. To, <laughs> right, you, you can figure it right, especially since they even talk in the film about the difference between zombies and zombie redneck right. torture family. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> Pain junkie murder <laughs> redneck zombies. Um, yeah, yeah. I I mean it's obvious. I mean. They go one step further, though, because they're not just sending up the monsters. They're trying to re-examine the things like the decision-making process of the characters in horror films. Yeah, right. The whole the fact that people were starting to slash always do complain that horror films can feel very constructed sometimes. Right. When the characters make irrational decisions or certain things, just it's sort of the opposite of the bond movie right with bond oh how convenient the only door he could access from the balcony he was hanging off of was unlocked how good for him with horror movies it's the opposite it's oh yeah they they did everything right and ran all the way to the end of these hallways and look all five of these doors are locked oh man too bad fuck you (laughs) like (laughs) you know having this malevolent force behind the scenes controlling that explained away all of that well explained away right explained all of that and then Everything else, the specificity, you can just ascribe to, oh, yeah, that's how the evil guns want it. Yeah, and I, I, I had talked to my friend Alice, who's a huge horror fan. She's, she's kind of ushered me in, in the same way John has. But we were talking about it, and she was like, a lot of what this movie is doing is the, the horror fan, the, the, the money, like the audience for this horror movie that they're constructing is the Elder God. Like, we're not the only ones watching. They're referencing that. And I think that's kind of the commentary it's attempting to make is, like, the reason why horror movies don't evolve or get out of these stereotypes and these tropes is because they are consumed with fervor. 
the audiences like that dumb shit and we like, want to go back again and again and again feeding right. at the trough of sacrifice right yeah um yeah so it, it sends up a lot i mean the 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 archetypes and the stereotypes of the 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 horny teenagers and the like all of those i mean obviously they're sending those up um and contriving reasons why they can't go and do certain things um and i guess obviously they're also referencing friday the 13th they literally have a lake with almost the exact same pier as camp crystal lake um where uh jason and his mom like to hang out um I mean, they directly reference it when the the dad zombie kind of comes out of the water, almost predator as that. Mm-hmm. That's also a reference that they're making. But like, for yeah. a long time, Jason was tied to the bottom of Crystal Lake. And there's a very brief, just to kind of touch on that a little bit. That uh, the new the guard in the control room, who's new for this, is his first time around, right? And and acts as the audience's window into the control room. You know, he asks questions about about the monsters, about the rituals, about what's necessary and what isn't. And when explaining the creatures, the lady from the chem department who hangs out up there, you know, he says something on the lines of, these are like things come from nightmares. And she corrects him, like, no, no, no. Nightmares come from these things. The idea that these things are real and have been real, and they have colored our folklore and our storytelling for mm-hmm. millennia. And so it makes... It's sort of another step then to have the set be the sets we've seen in our horror movies because it, it adds the other layer of only have these things inspired the stories. They've also inspired the modern stories, you know. Mm. I don't know. It's a nice little extra step. Of... Yeah, I think that's the thing I like the most about it. It's almost like this is the origin of all horror films. Like all, all horror films take place within this universe, you know, in, in a sense, you know, and, that, and that's why all the horror films exist is because of all these things, you know what I mean? I am, you know, again, not really because they did alter things like, yeah, it wasn't actually Hellraiser, but, um, but yeah, like, Close you know, enough and, without copyright infringement. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, to me too, that I think that's one of the things I love to which is a, I feel like a very Joss Whedon thing, you know, to kind of, you know, have this, this Genesis story, this origin of this, you know, and I know that's something from his Buffy verse too, is that, you know, the original inhabitants of the earth were demons, you know, and, and, and this is kind of their world and they've kind of been shoved aside and we're kind of living on top of them and around them, you know, um, you know, which I feel like is a really cool take because, you know, it's like every, you know, the stories we're told as children is like, Oh, this is, everything was perfect. And then man fell and we did a bunch of stupid stuff. And that's why we are the way we are as opposed to like, no, this world started with demons and then there's us who are kind of better than that. It's like, Oh, that's, that's kind of cool that like, you know, we're not, uh, you know, it's not that we're a worse version of what was here first. We're a better version of what was here first. So that's kind of cool. You know, um, and yeah, and you know, just kind of completely rewriting the mythology of the planet that, that, you know, that cultures have been writing since the beginning of man, you know, and saying like, no, it's not, it's not a that it's this, it's, you know, guy, but, but it's also like, there's, there's evidence of that. You know, we have these things, you know, it's like, you're looking down that pit, like down there is where these gods are and they are going to come up and they're pissed if we, if we don't do these things, you know, and that they've been doing them and that there's been, you know, as, as they're getting closer to sunrise and the ground shaking. And it's like, you know, this isn't just stories being told like this, there's, there's actual truth to this, you know? And um, yeah. So that was, 
that, you know, I, I, yeah, I love that. I love that, you know, without, without those gods who have been here, we may not have horror films, you know, because they, you know, they, they come from these, not, not nightmares come from that. I mean, yeah, these things don't, yeah. However you said it. Yeah. Like the, the chicken <laughs> and the egg, you know, it's yeah, the, yeah. these things came first, then the nightmares came. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also like, admittedly, you know, they use that guard as a, a window for the audience, right? And so that he can ask the obvious questions the other employees already know. But they do it very sparingly. There is a bit where they approach the gods situation, right? Where he says something about, like, how oh, this is cruel. And the, the one control room guy, Hadley, like, specifically says to him, like, you understand the gravity of the situation, right? Like, you had the orientation. And he's just like, yeah, yeah. And that's the end of the conversation, it's like halfway through the film, right? That would have otherwise been the explanation about the gods, but we don't get that until the very end when the director comes out and confronts our survivors. You know, that was great. I think other films would have been more tempted to let us see behind the curtain completely the whole time. And I like the way this gives us enough that we were curious, but doesn't just sort of, but also lets us discover the mystery along with the main characters at the same time it performs a really nice balancing act in that regard yeah thinking of that i was just going to say um you know we had talked before we watched this about wanting to talk about scream and until dawn um i think thinking of those and this as uh as as examples of horror satire um you know just to your point about the window right so here we get the guard um in scream we kind of get jamie kennedy's character and it's just interesting both of them because they do they both break the fourth wall in a way they both talk about horror and elements of horror um you know what type of monsters are there how to make the right decisions in a horror movie um but they do with very different tones and then they do it in i don't know how to say it but like it feels like the 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 lens right is in a different spot for each so in cabin in the woods they're still very participatory they're stuck in it um, they find out at the end why the ritual is going down and what they need to do as a part of it. But up until then, they're kind of just playing the game that you do in a horror movie, right? Like these things are coming at us. We need to find a way to survive. You know, the cellar door popped open. We need to go check it out. Um, they start to make some, some good decisions, right? Let's all stick together no matter what. And then they get manipulated and that's different. Um, whereas in scream, right? That's the same kind of satire. Um, but but the angle is a little bit further back or closer in, but they're aware, right, from pop culture, no, in this movie, this thing happens, and we're in a town where murders are happening, and so if we're smart, we need to do these things, right? And um, it was just really interesting to me, one, like, how the scare factor as a viewer feel, uh, feels based on how the characters in the movie feel. And then, two, just kind of the tone that they're taking with it, right? They both kind of make the point that these horror tropes are played out, um, but one is kind of an active participant in those horror tropes, and the other one's like, we're just going to tear them all down, but we're going to acknowledge them along the way, and there's just going to be this bloodbath at the end where all of the horror tropes come into play. So, um, yeah, I just really appreciated kind of thinking of those side by side when thinking about horror. Yeah, yes, I was great... watching. Oh, go ahead, Scott. I was going to say there's that great balance in the control room between the flippancy of like, oh yeah, you know, we're making bets on how they're going to die. And then between when, when the first person dies, they're suddenly very serious. You know, the one control room guy takes out his little like talisman on his neck and they utter this like prayer, right? We offer this up in humility and fear. And it's just all the fun is gone. 
and they did a really great job balancing those two moods for the control uh, the behind the scenes characters. Mm-hmm. It was it's really hard to watch this without thinking about Scream. Um, I don't know if I just have a reverence for Scream having just seen it recently. I don't know. I, I there's something about the Scream franchise that is very 90s. In do you see what we're doing? For 90 minutes, they're just pointing out what they're doing. It's very, I, it's very of the time. But what those films do throughout the whole series is they acknowledge the tropes of the past. They tear them down, write new ones, adhere to those for a couple of mo- and then rip those apart. So when I think Scream, I'm, I'm thinking like they rewrote the tropes they re and you because you're observing the that um commentary and then extension of that commentary into rewriting the tropes from a a place where you're you're immediate in it in in that there is no fourth wall of it being manipulated you're also discovering within in those films like the characters are that's your pov there's not this frame difference there's not this voyeuristic difference and i think that that compared to what cabin does and i think cabin does a lot of explain away and i don't know if i'm just getting fatigued with explain away it's also like there there's the stakes seem so low or there's a cognitive dissonance right between kind of like the the ease with which they're manipulating these murders and the cold voyeuristic lens of looking, and I don't know if that's a commentary on the horror fan. We maybe, maybe that's how we, we just glassy eyed consume them. Right. Like, so I, there's a lot to say about the commentary that's, that's being made. Fun, no, it's fun. Yeah. And I think but that's I, as opposed to scary. Right. Because right. you're not, you don't empathize as much with the characters. Right. right. You're not in, in their scary place. And that's the thing I'm, I'm trying to see like, the biggest question I had after watching it this time cabin was what is this adding? I mean, is it changing the genre? It's making a commentary, but to what end? And I don't know that. I don't think maybe it's not the job of every film to do that, but it seems like if you're going to make a commentary, what, what about it? It's a lot of explain away, but it's like the, the big bad, we don't know anything about other than, they're the reason we're doing this. And we see a big giant hand at the end. So it's like, it's almost like a, a period at the end of the sentence on horror, rather than trying to continue the, does that make sense? Mm. Continue the that conversation. Does. But I would because ask then... it, says, it says here, here's where all of the tropes are originating from. We're appealing to these giant elder gods. Mm-hmm. And it, it says, okay, it's over now. <laughs> like giant elder gods is now the new horror. Is, is that what it's the, and it, 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 I, I do like, I respect the idea that it's like, there will be no sequels. That's what that hand is saying. It's like, this yeah. is not, this is not a- your Jason's, <laughs> not your, your uh, Freddy Krueger's we're, we're nipping this in the fucking bud. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, I don't, it just, I would ask me, then, you, know, you mentioned Scream tears down tropes, but then build its own. Yep. Does it do any of that building in the first movie? I haven't seen this. No, no, no. I mean, it, it's it's definitely from one to two. 
there's 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 right they built the their own kind of... subversive meta yeah, yeah, yeah. no within one down. film they don't and i mean that's sure that's, that's so do you think this the cabin in the woods framing device has the potential for that if we were to go back and see a bunch of prequels from years I, when the ritual well, worked i think with what with what i was just saying about them talking about the 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 tropes being over and done with and, and subservient to and then destroyed by the elder gods i think the film doesn't want to explore that i think that's part of the the point that they're making is that we should abandon this and scrape it off and do something new i but i mean that that and then you're just my reading since there are other films that have already made something new like maybe cabin in the woods was 10 years too late right no i i maybe it's just i i don't because I'm enjoying kind of going back into the schlocky 80s stuff and enjoying mm-hmm. kind of the repet- repetition and the little things that get added, but also mm-hmm. really enjoying what Scream did. I don't know. This is this is a film that like everybody who watched it recommended it to me. And mm-hmm. a lot of horror fans or like people who are more casual horror fans are like, oh, that's a really good one. Go watch it. And I'm wondering what it added. Watching it made me just want to watch the films that it was satirizing. So I... I yeah, I it, it, for me it opened the door. It's sort of mm-hmm. I didn't realize how all, all these tropes that come up all over the place. And mm-hmm. I, I knew they were common, but I didn't necessarily realize how how done they were, how overdone they were, right? <laughs> Until Cabin happened, it was that sudden like, oh, wait a second. You know, eight of these movies are all the same thing, <laughs> like the last eight movies I saw, all right? And it sort of began the thought in my head. You know, it gave me a new way of looking at other films. Mm-hmm. It's a good, yeah, I wonder, it's a good gateway drug. Go ahead. Yeah, Steve. exactly. But I was just going to say, I wonder too, um, if it is a if, if it is a timing thing, right? Like watching it now in 2021 versus when it came out. Because I was just looking up when 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 this came out in 2011. Between 2004 and 2010, seven Saw movies came out. <laughs> and it's just like so it's like saw saw two saw like and then so i think this was like hey let's do something different let's get back to uh, you know the horror that we know i don't that's know that's it, really interesting i mean like yeah. that's just a lot of the same type of movie to fit in like a and then since window. then right and so a I real think, renaissance right halloween yeah. came back mm-hmm. really for so right so i mean i don't know that this because it is still kind of poking fun at the things that came before Saw, right? But it's also like, here are all these things. Here's kind of the formula. It doesn't necessarily say, hey, let's start doing these again, because it's still kind of poking fun at them. But I think there is something to be said about, like, when this got dropped versus, like, the 10 years in horror before that. Because I do, you know, like, that era of horror, it was just like, oh, okay, this again. Right. Um, so I think this was, you know, especially fresh and, like, I think there have been things since then and, and even like scream before, but like other things since then that look at the horror genre and kind of satirize it or, or reframe it that, that maybe do it differently. But I do think, you know, putting this back in that 2011 release time, I think it, it I think it deserves some credit there. That's a great, great point, especially because at, at that point, if it's saw, 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 the tropes that they're examining would be nostalgic. So you're looking at this like, oh, this right. is fresh and it's new and it's deconstructing and commenting on this genre of before Saw. Mm-hmm. That that's really because it it would have been great context. 
it would have been easy for it to come out in 2011 and say, hey, between 2004 and 2010, there are seven Saw movies. So here's a movie making fun of Saw, right? Like that's kind of an easy cop out and that doesn't really add much. I think kind of going back to, hey, remember horror before (laughs) these last six years? Like, I think think that's kind of one angle it could have been taking. I don't know. I like that a lot. That that's that's helping me. <laughs> I'm looking Not be back such at a shitty viewer. Other films too. I, um, Shaun of the Dead was 2004. Okay. Oh wow, pretty Early. fresh. Huh. But again, yeah, to you know, way at the at the front end of the Saw movies and <laughs> and way before all that. And then when I think of the, the newer stuff that's been refreshing, either to me or to other people, stuff like The Babadook or a quiet place or um get out conjuring get out. it follows conjuring right like almost all of those are after cabin in the woods paranormal really activity that was mm. that was really fresh but then they did it to death right <laughs> so that was that was 2007 the first one so i don't know how far along they were when the cabin in the woods came out but yeah one thing that occurred to me too is that um you know even I feel like you could maybe narrow horror down to two different subgenres: one that has supernatural elements and one that has no supernatural elements. So when you talk about something like Saw or um, Scream, even there's no supernatural people being shitty people, as opposed to a monster, a ghost, a zombie, whatever. Um, so maybe part of that response to saw is that like, look, we're sick of people just being shitty to other people for no reason. What about if there's this supernatural element, but let's tie all of the supernatural elements into one big thing. I mean, granted, we still have people being shitty, you know, the ones kind of running the thing, but it's ultimately got the, the most supernatural underpinning to it. You know, it's that there are these elder gods and they're controlling every supernatural element that's ever, you know, kind of come into play. So, you know, and I could see that, you know, in, in that way, it's almost, I, I don't want to say the, the, the anti-scream or the opposite of scream, but it's exploring that satire from that other angle. You know, where scream... about the bygone era of, of a unknowable, unfathomable terror. Right, yeah, like the, the zombies and the Jasons and the Freddies and all that stuff, as opposed to just like someone running around killing people for some reason, you know. Um, you know, so I could see you know, where where it kind of fits in there. It's 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 like Scream, but it's not Scream because it's not a person who is kind of doing it, kind of in acknowledgement of oh, here's the the lineage of horror movies. I'm going to take it upon myself to be a horror person, you know, and make that real. It's like no, we're doing this. This is a this is a religion. And this is why we're doing this, you know. And, yeah, and you know, and it's and it's and it's bigger than just you know one person kind of being off their rocker doing a bunch of you know shitty things. It's like this is this is you know it you know it, yeah it kind of it almost reminds me of things like um like like Children of the Corn you know or like uh, Midsummer you know like those type of um you know uh, those type of films where it's like oh we've, we've got to do this thing to appease these gods you know you know it becomes yeah, kind as, of like a societally allowed horror yeah i'm yeah. thinking of like, like hollow the Man, lottery right? was a, probably yeah. the first example of that like oh yeah. yeah we're gonna choose two people to be killed this year to you know and um regarding your comment tim about the supernatural and the not the first thing that came to mind was get out only because that film is entirely not supernatural at all except for the fact that 
you can take over someone else's body with your brain. Right, which I, I just thought of that about 10 seconds ago. I was like, wait, there's a third where some sort of scientific thing, I guess, like a sci-fi horror. Science magic. Not, yeah, yeah, right. It's, you know, so it's like there is there is science behind it. It's not like, oh, you know, boo, here's this thing. I might thing put 28 Days book. Later in that category too. Right? Mm-hmm. The the virus from the animals that they were testing that gets really... Right. God, yeah. that movie is so good. Sorry, I'm just. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the best rage zombie movies of all time. <laughs> um, I, I can jump in with a favorite scene. I can, I can, yeah, <laughs> try and redeem myself. No, this is, the, I, this is an odd, great, odd great. thing where it's it's three on me. <laughs> this hasn't happened before. Well, we've talked a lot about how incons- not inconsistent, I, how subjective horror is, right, mm. and how I. The Shining fell flat for me. A lot of films people love fall flat just for me. Salt in the wound. No, <laughs> no, but I just in general, right? I mean, I so to to get my bearings on uh, the releases, right? That I mentioned earlier, I just pulled, you know, one of those huge lists of like the best horror films over the last X number of decades, and I think like a third of these, I was just bored the whole way through. Mm-hmm. But like they're they're legends. You know, horror is particularly hit or miss. There's very little in between. You shouldn't feel, you know, you shouldn't feel a need to redeem yourself. <laughs> but what was your favorite scene? I'm curious. Well, actually, I, I thought of another sort of general discussion thing before. Yeah, please. Kind of yeah, for that. sure. That, uh, and, and this this thought was kind of floating around because when I was thinking of Saw, you know, this I, I feel like there was a lot of stuff like that, like Hostel that came out yeah. around the same time, like the, the, torture, the torture porn. porn. Exactly. And And one of the things that I thought about with this film is that even though they're they're sort of placing bets and they're kind of getting involved in it, when there's the scene of her getting just kind of beat up on the pier, like they're they're all partying. They're like, we're done. Like so I feel like that was a degree of like kind of separating them from like, okay, the people who are like watching horror because they want to see people suffer, as opposed to like, no, they're not enjoying this. They're like, this needs to happen. We're gonna we're gonna find a way to be it's okay job. with this. Yeah. yeah, it's a job. Like but the whole once... letting off steam by betting thing. Yeah, exactly. And like, okay, once we win, we did it. Yay! Earth gets to exist for another year. Like they're they're moving on. They're doing something else. They're not reveling in in the pain and the horror and the torture. You know, if they were, they would have been watching her. Just, you know, being like, you know, you know, uh, attacked by the guy. But that's that's in the background. We're only catching glimpses of it as they're drinking and partying. Um, so that to me, you know, and that was one of the things too, I think why I liked this, it, you know, and, and, you know, again, coming out around the same time of all the Saw movies, I think I saw the first one and I was just like, yeah, like this is, this is horrible. This is not like enjoyable. Like this just makes me feel like sick about humanity. Whereas I feel like with, with a lot of other horror movies, you know, within this, this sort of this supernatural element, it's kind of man versus supernatural and you're kind of rooting for the person. You know, I feel like you're, I don't, I mean, maybe other people, maybe I'm the wrong type of person to watch horror, but I don't know that people are rooting for Jason. Like, maybe they are, and maybe that's what horror is about. Maybe they're rooting for Freddy. Like, yeah, like, kill all those teenagers, you know. You shouldn't have been burned in the basement because you were a child molester and child murderer. Like, go Freddy, you know. Like, but I feel like, you know, uh, you know you're, 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 you're rooting for the people, and you want them to figure out what's going on so they can stop whatever thing is happening to them and you just reminded me of um cube oh yeah that was right because aren't they all convicts in that 
I can't remember. I, I might I be misattributing. Kind of like, oh, I don't know how I got in here. I also, there's like three of them, so I don't know. It might have changed. Yeah, maybe it's not Q, but I, 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 I remember in something else where there are horrible convicts, you know, pitched against terrible death traps, but it wasn't a Saw movie, mm-hmm. and it just did it so much better than the Saw movies, where you like you still ended up rooting for the people because even though they were awful, it was like no one deserves this, right? Right, like this is this has gone too far. With Saw, didn't didn't <laughs> didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I Saw's agree. trying to make you empathize with Jigsaw. Like he wants to help these people. Like they're, he's trying to free their mind. Like some sort of fucked up Matrix. You know, like it's like you know, it's like like no, fuck you. Like this is bullshit. Like, like who? I feel like that's also the era of the 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 consequence horror. Right. Like I'm thinking like phone bo- booth. Uh, and uh, I know what you did last summer. Like this whole wave oh, yeah. of like, we're gonna get you, fuckers. What is it? Uh, um, oh shit! There's not righteous kill. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. With uh, it's not Gerard Butler. It's the one who's ki- look kind of looks like him. He was <laughs> in uh, P.S. I Love You. That guy. I can't remember his name. He was in Olympus Has Fallen. Somebody's screaming it out. <laughs> well, Gerard Butler is in P.S. I Love You. No, then it's, it's <laughs> law-abiding citizen. Cl- law-abiding citizen is what I was yeah, trying to Is it Clive go. Owen? Is that the guy who's like Gerard, Actually, Gerard Butler's also in that. It, it, it is Gerard Butler. It is Gerard Butler. <laughs> so you're, like you're on the right track. <laughs> Did you see the the, the the films that I knew him from? Yeah. Yes, I love That movie broke me in ways I still haven't healed from. Um <laughs> But like that, yeah. As a response to kind of like the consequency, because I, I, in in this, like they don't deserve this as as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're no more deserving of being punished for transgression in in quotation marks. Like they even have to make them transgress, right? Yeah, that's part yeah. of the ritual. It's part of the rules. It's funny, Tim, that you brought that scene up because that's my favorite scene. The fact that Ario Speedwagons keep on rolling is just playing in, in this office party, and it's the interns being awkward trying to make friends. <laughs> also, the intern wants to make their his bet on the Buckners, right? And I don't. How long is the intern? I'm stealing this from Cinema Sins. Like, how long is this internship process that he knows that maintenance always chooses the Buckners? but he doesn't know anybody at that party. <laughs> well, it doesn't, because that's the thing. He says, I'm betting on this, and the, the control room guy says to him, maintenance already bet on that. And the intern's then, like, oh, really? Well, no, what the intern, said, the intern says, they always bet oh, on that. right. Yeah. You're right. So, <laughs> but yeah. I, I just love the juxtaposition of, and it, it, it really, when you're at a party where people are watching horror movies, in the back, that's how it feels, right? Like, if you're not participating in watching the horror movie, you're getting beer, you're listening to whatever it is, you're bobbing for apples, or you know, the parties I go to, there's bobbing for apples and alcohol for some reason. I ate two I whole apples. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it it definitely had that that kind of frame. Like this this movie is really good at telling you you're the observer. This is this is being presented. And I thought that was just like just casual gore. And it's Ario Speedwagon is kind of like the most unassuming, happy 70s rock possible. And it's just like the cognitive dissonance as she's like vomiting blood on the pier and getting beat up. Like, 
I, I, I think that's a really fun. I liked that. That was like, Hey, this is what it looks like when you go to a party and there's horror on in the background. Like <laughs> it should have some weight. I think is, is what it's saying is like, be affected by this. <laughs> Zeke, did you have a favorite scene? Yeah. Um, we already talked about the whiteboard. Uh, I, I, I love the whiteboard, but I love the scene right leading up before that when it's getting real tense and everybody has, uh, um, what would you call it? I guess like an idol or something that they're, you know, holding or reading or looking into. It's, you know, everything's on edge figuring out what they're going to summon. But there's just that like tense buildup. And then like everyone's just about to do the thing that would summon the thing. And then, um, and then Dana reads from the book and then, you know, then it cuts back to the, the lab. I really liked just, I don't know, the tension in that scene, I think. Um, and I'll do as I always do and use this as an opportunity to shout out a favorite actor and just go off on the, uh, Bradley Whitford fan club here too. Loved him in West wing. Um, but apparently, if you want to comment on the horror genre or like, I don't know, because he's in Get Out as well. He's in yep. here. So that's your guy, right? So he's in Godzilla, every, King of the yeah, Monsters. <laughs> every 10 years, just make a movie with Bradley Whitford. And then like, this is where the, the horror genre needs to go. And then boom, you're set. So looking forward to uh, 2030, having a movie drop with him and, and, and seeing where that takes us. I, I just love him. And I think all of the scenes that he was in were just so funny, right? Like there's um, like we were talking about earlier, that shift to seriousness um, when people start to die. And then he shifts right back because tequila shows up at the party. (laughs) So I just, I just love Bradley Woodford. And if he's listening, uh, he can grab a beer with JK Simmons and I, and finish that. (laughs) (laughs) Can I tell JK you're coming? That'll make him feel more comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) funny you should bring like that's another favorite the the little subplot plot with the mermaid is one of my favorite things too because he had yeah. the conch in the his mermaid. hand in his and hand I, and i what i loved about that is i felt really seed like i've always wanted them to do another creature of the black lagoon movie yeah. they haven't <laughs> the closest they've gotten is uh the uh shape of water is is kind of like guillermo has kind of uh, his his fingers in that pie in a certain sense but like I also like that he, he got to see it. That's what killed him. And it was disappointing. So it's like, oh, I really wish they would remake this. And then when it, it's gross and nasty and it eats you, I just like that little the fucking blowhole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that just shoots blood out of it like a wood chipper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Tim, what about you? I think um, it, it's hard to narrow it down to like a single scene for me it's uh i mean I, I i will but so i like that towards the end that we have this progression from cabin in the woods to industrial complex to ancient ritual site like i i i love the like the the like the juxtaposition of those three elements that you know again we've got this this spooky out of the way cabin you know, that we spend most of the movie in, at least as far as the horror elements go, you know, and we get these glimpses of this, this kind of sterile laboratory environment. But then we, we, you know, it kind of, it reminds me of Lost in a way, like when they find the hatch and it's like, we go from being like, oh, desert island to 
oh, this underground bunker with a record player and a refrigerator and a shower and a toilet, you know. And, um, but then it, it kind of, you know, and it, it almost it also reminded me a little bit of like uh, the Resident Evil movies too, you know, where it's like, oh, here's this town, but this town yeah, is meant the to umbrella be, facilities. Yeah, like this mm-hmm. cover for like we're doing all this fucked up shit deep underground, you know. Um, but then that it, 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 yeah, that it takes it a step further and, you know, and, you know, with that whole idea of these ancient gods, you know, and you've got this underground chamber, this stone with this pit that goes on forever. And these, you know, these glyphs on the wall representing, you know, these, you know, these different characters. And, and, uh, you know, I love how like the blood has to pour in and fill in the outline. And, um, so it's, and, and it's, it's very jarring kind of jumping from those three things too, because, you know, you, again, you spend this whole time with this like woods horror movie and all of a sudden you're in this facility and, and the cages moving around did remind me of cube too. I wonder if that was supposed to be like a subtle reference to cube where, Oh, look, here are all these cages that can move around. We can shuffle them around and move them up to the elevators. I think that was a monsters Inc. reference actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that <is> a... <laughs> That's great. I changed my answer. New favorite. <laughs> you just redeemed it in quotation. <laughs> That's great. Um, but I mean, I'll, yeah, ultimately my, my favorite scene like is, is the end. And, mm. and, and, and it's, you know, the fact, it, you know, also the, the uh, one other moment that I kind of forgot about, but when, when they're running out and that last guy, you know, comes around the corner and gets stabbed and he's like, I forget exactly what he said, but he's like, you know, please do us all a favor and kill him. You know, like, like when they're scrambling, like shit didn't work the way it's supposed to. And again, you're kind of almost, you know, you're almost rooting for these people. Cause it's like, they're, they're just trying to save the whole world from these angry elder gods. So it's like, yeah, like kill this guy, you know, you're almost like, you know, jumping back and forth between rooting for the people and you're like, Oh yay, he survived. And it's like, wait, no, he fucked us all by not dying when he was supposed to shit. Like, you know, and, and just kind of like how dark all that is and how it puts all that on her shoulders. Like, you can save the entire world by killing your friend, you know? And it's like, Oh, oh, wait a minute. And then Sigourney Weaver kind of like, you know, upping the ante there where it's like, you know, okay. You know, it's like, if you don't do it, I'll do it. You know? And it's like, you know, and you're almost like, Oh, this is how this is going to end. He's going to die at the last minute. And okay. Everything worked out. And then it doesn't. And then the fucking world ends. And I'm just like, fuck, like how baller is that? Like what other movie has just ended the fucking world? Like, you know, and and when I talk about like space end of the world where, okay, we're going to go live on some other planet because our planet is dying, you know, like a, you know, some sort of Kryptonian type of thing. Like that's it. It's done. Like, you know, and um, that's, that's one of the things I loved about it. It's like, you know, it's like, this is, and, 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 you know, it's kind of almost maybe a cheap way of doing this, but this, you know, it's, it's the last horror movie, you know, because horror movies only existed to appeal to these gods and it got fucked up. So the gods came back, destroyed everything. Like, that's it. It's done. You know? Um, and, and it also like, it, it, it stuck with me in the same way. And I don't know if this is just because I know it's Joss and like, you know, thinking of it this way, but like it stuck with me the way the ending to the angel series did where you get this kind of glimpse about what's, what's about to happen, but you don't, you know, it, and it, it forces its way into your, your imagination and you're now imagining these elder guards coming, gods coming back and destroying the planet and destroying all the humans. And it's just like, that just like sticks in your head. Uh, you know, the same way, I don't know if any of you were angel fans, but it basically ends right before they're about to do this giant battle as, you know, all the demons from hell are coming up to be like, Oh, fuck you. We're all mad at you, angel. And, you know, 
the last line is Angel's like, I kind of want to slay the dragon, you know? And it's like, boom, credits roll. And you're like, what, what the fuck? But like, that stuck with me for so long because it brought you to the brink of this, you know, think of it, I guess, if like, you know, if Endgame had ended right as everybody shows up out of the portals and it's like, yay, we're done. Like you would have been pissed, but like that battle would have been playing out in your mind. Like, you know, your imagination would have had to create that. So, so uh, like, I love that. I love, again, it, it, a lot, you could look at it as being like a cheap shot where it's like, Oh, we're, we don't want to actually sh- spend the money showing you this. We'll hint at it and let you imagine it. But it worked. Like I was like picturing like, okay, this is like the end of the world. How is this playing out? And, and I thought that was great. You know, like, I feel like, you know, if, if, if he had died and it's like, Oh good, we did it. Okay. Like life kind of continues as normal. Like this company still has to clean up and clean up the cabin and, but it, it just, the cycle continues. And this is just another, you know, another blip on the radar. It's just another horror film. But like the reason this story is being told is it is the last horror film because this is the time they fucked it up and that's it game over, you know? Um, so yeah, like that's, I think ultimately that's, that's my favorite scene is the end and, and, and not be for what it was, but for what it made my brain do as a result of it. Well, damn, I got to follow that. All right. <laughs> I like, you know, Zeke, you mentioned the betting whiteboard and the selection in the cellar. Something I noticed for the first time was, you know, the athlete plays with that puzzle ball, but our, our final girl notices that. And that's why later, when they're in the cube with all the monsters, she sees the puzzle ball in the hand of the other monster and comes to the realization of, oh, we, we had chose. to choose. Like, I didn't realize it was that particular thing until this watch through, which was nice. Um, the bit where they're talking on the phone with the gatekeeper guy at the gas station is always nice. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, yeah, I'm on speakerphone. <laughs> it's just a great... It's also really great because that's right as the horror is beginning. You know, the characters have entered the cabin. Things are getting spooky. And then you get that nice moment of levity to just, you know, remind you what you're watching. <laughs> I love that um, they took the time to make that joke. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that's the Poe Dameron fucking with hugs. <laughs> like, you talk, I talk. Is he there? I, I still he, still waiting. Can't hear you. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I like that a and lot. I love the moment with the elevators when they let all the monsters out, just because it's <laughs> ding perfect sound design, right? Ding <laughs> monsters and hell. But the, the scene I think that I love the best is the motorcycle jump, <laughs> because well, yeah, it's a little bit. <laughs> it's the moment you laugh at suffering, a eh? but like because up until then they've maintained the facade the whole time that this is just zombie where that torture family is killing you all you know with secret uh aerosol chemicals and locking doors that are automatic you know it's all very that they've maintained the illusion right oh the the cave explosion obviously was a little bit like they had to kind of scramble and do that but otherwise it still all feels very i don't know if natural is the word but like as far as our victims know they're just this is happening to them and it's bad and it's monsters. And then the motorcycle jump, he hits the force field. And it's just such an obvious, like, okay, you know what? No, fuck you. We're done. <laughs> this, this is happening, right? We are mice in a maze. <laughs> right? Here you go. This is, the, this is when the Wizard of Oz just, like, drops the curtain, walks up, and, you know, shoves the slippers into Dorothy's hands, and is like, get out! <laughs> You're ruining my, my route. <laughs> like, and it's, it's great, because it's that great a, it'll you know proves that like they're less in less married to the illusion than they are to just getting the damn job done, right? Like that's the most important thing here. And uh, 
it's also great because you really, really looks like he's going to make that jump. And you're expecting him not to. You're expecting him to just come up short or like one of the zombies throws the chain at him. You know, you're expecting something to happen, right? He can't escape. But not that. I'm not like, expecting, bam, the whole sky to light up as he explodes and tumbles down the force field. It's very much like a jump the shark type moment. It's also the ending to Grease 2. Right, the guy just jumps off into the fucking void. Like, and I, I was watching the cinemas. That maybe that's why I'm being shitty. As I watch cinnamon, cinnamon sins. That's a different thing. But he was pointing out, like, if we hadn't seen the eagle smack against the force field at the beginning, what a fu- oh fuck moment it would have been to see. That's the reveal that it's it's this actual cage. Uh, but that, yeah, I sorry, I didn't mean to laugh so so hard at it. But like, it's funny to see Thor just smack it. <laughs> That's what Taika was doing with him in uh, Ragnarok. He's like, we're gonna hit yep. Hemsworth in the head as much as we Tumbling can around. in this movie. <laughs> Tumbling around. So Sarah handed me a note. Um, you know, since she basically picked this film for us, that I assume is your favorite scene, sweetie. It's. <laughs> It's the tequila moment that you mentioned yep. earlier. Yeah, there's this beautiful. Um, you touched on it earlier, Tim, about how we're sort of like rooting for the the victims to survive, but also rooting for the world to not end. And we're sort of placed into the same moral quandary that the workers in the film have, right? Of if we care about these people, it makes our job harder, so not caring is easier, type of thing. And the world is to, yeah, you get that really touching. I'm almost rooting for this girl speech, right? Ash is getting beat up. And it's the time he's looking at the screen. It's the only time during that whole party that they're watching her get beat to hell. And it's in a sympathetic way about how just this has been a particularly tough year and she's gone through some, oh, tequila! And he just, it's, just, it's gone. It's gone. The moment of respect has vanished. As much as I love the REO Speedwagon musical cue, if they had been playing tequila as that sequence was going would have been just one better (laughs) i also really love it i wouldn't say it's my favorite but just like the opening scene where it's just like the two of them bullshitting and talking to the other doctor and how you know he he gives his mic drop line and takes off too fast so the guy spills the coffee on himself and as he's talking he's like fiddling with the cup and (laughs) cabin in the woods I was like, I don't know what this is, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then in the opening bits later, you start to try to piece it together. You're right. You're like, maybe this is the secret lab where the monster's going to escape from and torment the kids in the wood. It, no, 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 no. no <laughs> nothing you were thinking is the yeah. right answer. <laughs> so. I also love the, uh, 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 the, the unicorn. <laughs> right. Yes. It's just like yeah. impales the guy, like for no reason, like, like why is a unicorn a monster? I know it's a mythical creature, but I was, why is it just like, I got to murder these dudes with my horn. That's, that's the purpose of this horn. <laughs> and then I, I love, love that that's God the idea them. that the explanation for why there are no unicorns, because they're just murderous and we had to kill them all to survive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything else with horns rams things to death. <laughs> Yeah, I love yeah, I love how you the 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 pacing of that scene because you see it and you only have enough time in your mind like why would a unicorn be <laughs> pales that dude just like yeah. into the wall you're like that's why that's why Ooh. it's a horror fucking movie <laughs> it. the uh, the wolf makeout fake out okay is great we need to jump cut to the Drew Goddard discussion because this is the second of his films. That involves some sort of wolf <laughs> sexuality, and I don't know how I feel about it. I didn't make that connection until this time. Zeke, speak what? for your man. <laughs> Wait, what? When's the other one? 
in uh, Bad Times, they talk about the previous time where the guy went to bed with the wolf. And it wasn't not sexual. Uh, yeah, the, the kid is talking about the things he's seen on the cameras, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, yeah, I hadn't connected that either. I might uh, so who step, step down. Wait, who wrote El Royale, right? Drew did. Okay, yeah, so, but so you didn't write this. He directed this. It's Joss's fault. He got the idea from Joss. <laughs> okay, jo- Joss <laughs> said put a wolf on there and have the girl. I don't, I don't, Joss, I mean, and, and Scandal noted for Joss. But like I don't know that that's a Jaws thing. I, I I've seen yeah. two movies that reference wolves in this way, and they've both been directed by Drew. Maybe it's just a there's, bet. <laughs> I, don't know. A, I mean, that's a reference, right? Taxidermy on the wall is is an Evil Dead thing, and it's a goat mm-hmm. or a, a deer that goes kind of muppety and crazy, right? Yeah. And, uh, and there's the whole line: make out with the moose. Do you do you know what a moose is? <laughs> Have you ever seen a moose? I don't know, like Goddard verse theory. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe the guy, the things he had seen, maybe he was uh, the virgin <laughs> in a previous sacrifice, and he, he, he was away. the virgin, and he lived, and then and he went to the the El Royale, living out his life, and then maybe he's talking about the same wolf. So <laughs> maybe knows? that's the thing. I don't know. Speaking of the moose line. The Marty character is just phenomenal the whole yes. time. The Baseball thermos bomb bong. at the yep. start. Yep. Outstanding. The, the whole puppeteers, puppeteers Pop Tarts line where he like distracts himself with his own muttering street with actual street the way he yells at the gatekeeper guy. <laughs> um and the the whole go for a walk. They're mad playing whispering at him. You can't tell me what to do, weird voice. I'm gonna go for a walk. <laughs> he just he does it. <laughs> as much as they're uh, commenting like on these tropes. He's just great. And we realize that he's not his stuff that he's smoking is not the stuff that was laced. So he's just acting stonery in this, which is great. Like I yeah, I think favorite character for sure. <laughs> that fucking bong into the thermos is so good. <laughs> and he uses it as a that's weapon. Gotta, yeah. That's gotta exist, right? The thermos <laughs> bong. I don't know. I'm sure it does now, yeah. Didn't yeah. before. <laughs> oh man. Oh, actually that reminds me, I have a question. Why are they in a camper if they're going to a cabin? <laughs> I think because there were five of them the and all the luggage, and just that was the only vehicle they would fit them all, right? Because I'd be hard-pressed to fit five people and luggage in my car or even Sarah's SUV. Like, we have five seats, but then all luggage has to go in the back. And for five people for a weekend, that could be a lot. I don't know. Yeah. I'm also they have the motorcycle like, on the back, too. One girl has all that yeah. gear. Yeah, the motorcycle. I think Maybe they were they also, stopped like... On. Go ahead. Sorry, stopped and camped along the way. I don't know. I was also thinking it might be that like they don't know anything about this cabin, so if it's gross, at least they have something while they're out there. They, I, I, this this cousin that, yeah. Also, how does this girl know at the end where she's like, I don't even think he has a cousin. How does she know that? (laughs) And why is she bringing that up now? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't understand. Another quick question about, um, I guess, the process of, uh, you know, c- c- sacrificing them, because they do talk about like the choice, right? And like they set these things, but ultimately it's up to, um, you know, the five selected to to go in and investigate. So, but like, what if they had said no, 
or like gotten to the, the, the gas station guy and then like turned around and, and, you know, or yeah, when they have the choice to say no at the gatekeeper. Right. Cause I, yeah. So if they don't go through at that point, then do they have to find five new sacrifices or because a lot they, was writing, right? Like at one point they show like their vitals. I don't know how they have those, but they had the guy like stationed on the top of the apartment. Right. And then right, to say that I imagine there's the something rigged within the, the Winnebago that might be so also right. you made me remember something I wanted to talk about. There's a lot of the, the poor decision making we usually see from regular victims. We instead see from the people who work behind the scenes. And in their case, it's fueled by a mixture of like arrogance and complacency, I guess. Like the whole thing with oh yeah, we figured out the stunner guy isn't being affected by anything and um the one control room guy says, put, you know, quick cam, put a bunch of Thorazine in his room. But the other guy says, no, 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 look, look, the, the zombie's coming to the rescue. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, yeah, he'll do it. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, not a problem. And the whole, the whole conversation with the gatekeeper, too, you know, the guard asks about what's the deal. And I say, yeah, mm-hmm. they have to, you know, we have to have this guy who practically says you will die and they have to choose to go anyway. But, like, they're just so blasé about that. Like, no one's ever said no. You can just tell in their face, right? And they always say yes. It's like a formality for them. I'm also confused at mythology, and this is this is not what the movie is about. But I'm like, okay, why does the Japanese elder god want 25, 12 year old schoolgirls to die? And that, like, do they have 25 like of those seal things? Also, well, like, how see, is the blood like the getting idea into the gutters? I don't know how they're doing own tropes because our own cultures pass the myths right. down no, it's like different genres right. for different parts of the world like i i get that but it's less so, like but in the literal sense when they talk about how these creatures are what our nightmares come from that all across the globe oh, were different culturally. creatures okay. and different nightmares so these are the things we we're remembering from eons ago are different from culture to culture and place to place mm-hmm. i just i made that assumption there's nothing no, that you're that says that. Yeah. no yeah but yeah and apparently jack the Japan. I don't know if that's like a commentary, like Japanese horror having kind of like this boom, and then we work quite harder because we're America, and then the that, they're going to save the do- day of like this kind of booms <laughs> yeah. of horror genres in these different parts of the world. I think that that's kind of an interesting thing too. But yeah, um, another thing I noticed this time too is when when he's talking when they're having the party, and and maybe I'd like misheard it or when. When he's kind of going to, was it like uh, uh, demolitions or whatever? Like, hey, why didn't you blow the cave? And didn't they say something like, oh, we got a call from upstairs not to, or something like that? Or we didn't a get a signal of some kind? Or yeah, I didn't. We didn't. Yeah, get the they didn't receive it. Yeah, so it was like I was like wondering, I was like, is there was there well, something else? Right after going that in? is when Marty saves the main character and then takes her to the grave where he found the weird room with the electrical bits. So I think the idea yeah. is that he was in there messing around with wires and stuff got it okay you know because he says like i bet you i can make this elevator go right where it goes so 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 you don't have a timer for that you have to wait for a cute like what would be the effect of blowing the bridge too early they they try to jump their thing across the i don't like i don't know i love sigourney at the end yes like one of the most iconic i'll call her survivor girl Right. I like, mean, I love Sigourney Weaver all the time and everything. Right. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. She's a great kind right. of like Here almost ambassador of the company. genre. Right. Yeah, ambassador of the genre is a good term, actually. Mm-hmm. And sure. kind of like 
Yeah, because she's she's. I mean, you you have a survivor girl who escapes by the skin of her teeth, or you mm-hmm. have the one that fights back, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's and she's both, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if they if they also considered uh, Jamie Lee Curtis for that right? role. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Halloween. You know, like she's I feel like that's a similar vibe. God, if I ever, I want them to be in a horror movie together. And I want them to just annihilate everything that's thrown at them. <laughs> like Not a, even a uh, horror movie, right? It should be a an action movie of these two who do, instead of like as professional exorcists or investigators, they're just professional ghost killers. Yeah. Exterminators, <laughs> right? What is your supernatural problem? We'll take care of it. <laughs> Ghostbusters, but with guns. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, like what's, what, what's that movie that has like all the action dudes in it? Uh, um, Expendables. Expendables, yeah. Like do that, but with women have like throw Linda Carter in there yeah. too. You know, like expendables. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. (laughs) I I'll admit the film's pretty tight. Like it would like the questions you guys mentioned have plausible answers, even if the film doesn't spell them out, right? Like the reason the demo demo guys didn't get the signal. I can sort of just suss it out, which is really refreshing for a film. Um in the the zombie hand in the elevator, right? Mm -hmm. I dismembered him with a trowel, but there's just the one arm that's still moving around and then it gets on the guard. That's how they get out of the elevator. (laughs) Thank you, zombie hand. (laughs) Chekhov's hand. Thank you, zombie hand. Right. It all comes back. But I, the one thing that's still bothering me and I, I will do this willingly, right? Not, not perfect is the lack of security in the, in the facility. Right. Like I get that one guy finds them because they're all just scattered all over right. the place looking where the hell are they? So one guy like, yeah, here I've got them. They're in this elevator. Bring it down for me. You know, that's why it's just one dude instead of a team. And the team shows up right after that. Right. The whole security team shows up just in time for the, the elevator bits. Right. Shoots them and sends them in. But I, I wonder if maybe that comes back to the, the arrogance we saw in the rest of the film about like, ah, Japan has a perfect record and we're number two. We'll be fine. Right. That maybe they should have had security teams in certain places or should have had other escaped monster countermeasures in place that they just shrugged and went, nah, you know, we've never needed it because like those zombies break down the door to that control room real quick. Right. Um, but then again, the werewolf just gets shot to death with the, as far as we know, regular gun, maybe all the, all the bullets are like 10% silver, 10% gold, 10% something, you know, (laughs) like who knows. Right. But clearly these things were fightable slash stoppable slash corralable. And they were not even remotely prepared for, even for a person to wander into the facility. Right. And I, like I said, the only thing I could think of for that is that they were just so arrogant in their frequent success that they kind of just didn't bother maybe, but I, I only, it only hit me for the first time this watching. And now it's that's, that's the thing I was really curious about is like the retrieval team, right? Like after the shit goes down, who's going up and getting the Buckners back and corralling them like that. And do like, they just take the hacked and slashed innards and put them together and they like form back together. Like I, I almost like monsters Inc. If we continue that analogy, like they have a department to handle this shit. They were more prepared. Yeah, for a sock I, I was wondering. Like with the director saying, just please kill him so the world won't end. Mm -hmm. I was kind of wondering if the director didn't care about the lab because she knew it would just get filled with more people again, like thought of herself and all of them as expendable. Or like Mm -hmm. if she'd shot Marty, maybe the Elder Gods command these creatures and then the creatures would have all just gone back into their cells. Mm. 
Yeah, that was unclear to me. They they talked about it being like they're derivative of these older horrors, and there's so much better than what what came before them. Yeah, I'm I'm unsure of the origin or their autonomy or any of that stuff. Like that was kind of interesting. It's also like Elder God. How many people died? Like, there's blood here. I'm sure somebody was a virgin. Can we chill or a fool? <laughs> like mermaid, the the the, uh, uh, the guy who got eaten by the merman. He was kind of silly. Just take that blood. Right. <laughs> Done. <laughs> yeah, and I I guess that falls into the rules of the rituals, right? right. But then I, you know, because he hasn't seen a merman, but the other guy has. Yeah. Because he says, you know, you don't want to see it, man. You think it's going to be cool, but I the cleanup's a mess. The whole thing, like. Well, there's that line about, like, you remember when we could just throw a virgin into a volcano? Yeah. How old do you think I am? Like, how old are yeah. these these guys? That's also a thing that's kind of mm-hmm. an interesting. You know, what I what I did like about that part, too, and, and you know, the, the ritual aspect of it, you know, for me, again, you know, that kind of hit home with, with a lot of other religious practices. You have to say these words this way, and you have to do this in the way, in this order, or you're going to piss God off, and it's just like, you know, yeah, like, why not make a whole horror movie about that? Where it's just like, you know, this was this was shit that used to actually happen. Like, all right, we got to murder some stuff or God's going to be pissed at us. So let's do this, you know. And I think I've, I've always felt a kinship to those, even though I don't watch a lot of those, the, um, you know, a lot of those horror movies that have that at the, the core of it, where it's like, oh, we're doing this for the harvest. Or it's just like, you know, like this, this seems ridiculous, but people fucking think this way. And, you know, maybe not to that level of like murdering people in order to get what they want, but like doing weird shit, you know, and it has to be this way, you know, and it's almost, you know, like almost like an OCD kind of thing, you know, where it's like, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe the gods have OCD and it's like, you have to do it in this order. Otherwise I'm going to be pissed, you know, and I can't, cause I can't sleep unless you do it this, 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 this way, you know? And, but yeah, thing, I definitely didn't question that part because it fits into every yeah. other religious practice. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that annoys me about this film is that one of you mentioned there's no sequels, right? Because I mean, it's it's done, right? The big hand, no sequel. Great, perfect. The part that annoys me is, but there's so much prequel potential. <laughs> but that's the great part is every other horror movie is a prequel to this movie. Uh, right, right. You said that earlier, yeah. <laughs> I could just have to go watch all of horror now and get my prequels. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Zeke, mm-hmm. I, I keep thinking about, like, the context in which I watch this, where it's like, I've seen an origin story for everything, and seven for Batman, right? Like, so I, I'm in a very, like, origin explain away, I'm fatigued from that. But this could be said to be the thing that kind of kicked off us getting those kind of origins. Like, thinking back in the last 10 years, the films that have come out, and the kind of how the, 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 um, blockbuster trends have kind of shifted to very like origin into something bigger or, or, or here's something and here's a, a throwback, a flashback prequel type thing. So it's, yeah, I, I, that type of film really gave Hollywood a hard on because if you have an established franchise, you can do an origin movie. Mm. And if you don't have a franchise, you can do an origin movie and make one. Right. So like, it was just the perfect film to make, for every franchise ever every intellectual property right right i think even at the point that this came out like i mean i talked about scary movie being kind of the other like humor parody of things but by this point there were probably four or five scary movies too um 
So I don't, yeah, I'm, I'd be curious to go back and um, I'm having a hard time remembering like how people felt about it or like what the reaction was when this came out. Um, I know it's well reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes and places like that, but I'd, I'd be curious to go back and read some of the reviews that came out when this came out in 2011, see what the immediate reaction was. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I, it is kind of interesting to think of it as, as a reset to not only how to make a satire of these, but then just to reset, you know, the movies that came from it too. I do have a question that's not meant to be the situational recommendation, <laughs> but very okay. well could be. <laughs> well, we could ask it and you can decide whether that works and, or is there something else you all want to cover before we move on? I, I just wanted to, like, I feel like this is a great movie to put on for somebody who says they don't like horror. Mm-hmm. It's a great primer, I think. And, I yeah. mean, it, it's it's also, like, it it does a lot to disarm what's what horror does. But it, it gives it, it, it the respect it deserves. But it's also, like, if you watch this, you kind of understand what everything made up until that point does. So you can go in with it like, okay, it's going to be spooky, but like you can anticipate, okay, there's a jump scare. There are these tropes. They're going to do something kind of silly. Like, I, I, I think it's a great movie to put on like in the back of a Halloween party or like, Hey, you don't really like horror. This is really fun and interesting and might get you. Like, I think it's a good gateway drug for horror. That's all I want to be at a party when the party scene is playing with the girl <laughs> getting beaten up in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Just loop that scene. <laughs> this level of yeah. meta at that point. Oh, man. But yeah, so I guess I'll ask my question. And if you want this to be your situational recommendation, <laughs> not, we'll no, I, I'm clap. the only one that claps right. on it. Yeah. And he has if to not, say that he's going to add it. If we decide we're doing a real recommendation, you'll add a second clap. No, you're right? fine. Because just... um, it's not much of a it's not situational. It's just, is there a horror that we have not talked about yet at all anywhere in any of our discussions that you want to point out to us and bring to our attention? Oh, this is specifically for me. Yeah, for all of us. This is, yeah, I want to hear from everyone. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> I feel like I've talked about a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I would paint like if you haven't seen Texas Chainsaw, I've talked about it before. See that and feel damaged. Like I feel damaged after it. Um, uh, I like the crazies a lot. Um, the original is Ooh, uh, we haven't George, talked about that. Yeah. The, the original is George Romero and it's really good. And the remake is really good too. Um, I'm trying to think in terms of, I mean, you get into all the like. If you want something cheesy and schlocky, there, there's there's things to watch. If you want something serious, if you want the greatest sequel horror movie of all time, it's Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes or Return. I can't remember the second Killer Tomatoes film is out fucking standing. Like, um, yeah, I mean, like if if when we've talked about Halloween, I think that between Halloween and Texas Chainsaw, like that's really kind of legit unsettling horror and then if you want stuff that's schlocky and fun you go to to the jason or freddy franchises i i don't like um comet horror is fun it's like this silly little subgenre of like a comet is coming and people act strange as a result of it like <laughs> um 
the radiation from the comet is affecting your brain type thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're fun. They're weird. They don't exist anymore. Nobody makes those films anymore. Tim, Anybody it, else? So anything we haven't really um, talked to death that you want to point out? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, yeah, the thing, I don't watch a lot of horror. Um, I think my other favorite, which we have talked about, is just uh, Paranormal Activity. Like that one steered mm. me to my core. Um, but uh, yeah, and then of course The Exorcist, which was my mm-hmm. original pick for the Halloween thing. But yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, and, and, and this is right up there too, where yeah, this was, like I said, I think not the scariest horror movie I've ever seen, but I think my favorite because of what it does mythologically. I would throw Poltergeist up there too. Oh, God, I know that yeah, would that scare one... the, the crap out of Tim. Like, yeah. But I, I think that, that is a really solid solid there's something in the house film <laughs> like no i'm uh just kind of looking through trying to see if anything sparks it and i think to go back to one of the things that tim kicked us off with is just the idea of you know there's just the different types right there's people kind of horror and then there's demonic possession kind of i don't like that kind i don't that's not my jam um then there's slasher horror right there's all these different things and just kind of looking through the list I feel like my favorites are um, definitely the people-centric ones and kind of the suspension or suspense-building ones. Um, so, like, Get Out and Us recently. Mm-hmm. Um, Misery is a great one. Silence of the Lambs. Um, I don't know. There's something just about movies that are... Uh, Midsummer was another one that I watched recently that, that it's just, I, I don't know, something that we're, they're rooted in like, I guess, real-ish experiences. And it's just more about the suspense than jump scares. I think the thing is, I just don't like jump scares mm-hmm. and, and, and you get a lot of that in the demonic possession ones. And that's just a whole nother like thing that takes my brain somewhere else that it doesn't like to be. Um, I don't know. I don't know about, yeah, I don't know. Not sure what exactly else to share, but I think those are ones that, that I tend to enjoy a lot or think about a lot. I would say that I really like the Italian horror genre giallo, which is kind of this pulp 60s, 70s, 80s kind of neon infused uh, Italian film movement. That's really good. Blood on black lace is, is incredible. I really, really like that film. I, probably will bring it to the podcast eventually i also like this one called pieces that's uh south american i can't remember i think it's i mean it's a brazilian film but it's borrowing kind of the the film traits of the giallo but it's it's really weird it's about a chainsaw murderer but it's like really weird and non sequitur and and really kind of weird and then there's um inside which is a french kind of hyper gore film i think maybe the one that like um started that film movement i'm i'm botched the butchering pun the (laughs) the name of the film movement but that that one there's an american remake which i watched first which i was really i really liked and it really resonated then i watched the original and the original one is so much more intense and scary like what about oh, you, Scott? Of, Do you, or I, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I just thought of one more. Uh, the House on Haunted Hill, mm. which uh, came out mm. around the same time as mm-hmm. Haunting of Hill House. I remember it was like I think they were both remakes or both re- like based on the same original old or something. I don't know. But um, I remember that one. Like me and my roommate in college used to watch that like a lot because it was just 
it was very, um, yeah, it was like this cool mix of like jump scares and like, you know, ghost stuff and, and some gore and just disturbing stuff and just the way it worked. Like a lot of it had to do, I think it was like in an asylum, even though it said house on haunted hill, it was this old asylum. And, mm. um, 1999 really, or 1957, 59. the 1999 one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that one, it was, it was just very, yeah. Like it was very, very kind of stylized. Also, uh, Don Davis had done the score. So it was like, there was a matrix connection that I was able to weave into it, you know, <laughs> like, but yeah, it was, it was, I think it was also one of the examples that stuck out in my mind of, you know, at the time when I was studying, at, you know, at college studying all of this, you know, late 20th century music and getting to hear a lot of that being implemented in horror. And, and I mean, it's, it's happened other places, but I think that one was the the first one for me where it was like, oh yeah, I know what these sounds are because I'm studying this in music, all this stuff that just sounds scary. Like I know, I know how to produce those sounds. So that, that movie really connected me for that reason. And of course it's done, been done, you know, uh, ad infinitum since then, you know, but, um, but again, for me, that was like that making that connection of like, oh, this is how modern music is being implemented in horror films. Like this is great. Um, but yeah get a chance it's it's fun it's 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 you know maybe not the scariest thing you've ever seen but i feel like also for the time it was it was just scary enough for me too that was the thing Mm -hmm. you know i don't like super scary stuff but it was scary but i was actually having fun being scared which is a rare thing for me usually i just hate being scared (laughs) yeah Yeah. i just i had two particularly i just was thinking a lot about horror lately because we watched cabin in the woods honestly and then thought of one in particular that i don't tell anybody about and i one that i think i have under the shadow i think i've mentioned before was an iranian it takes place in iran during the iran iraq war Mm. but i think it was a multinational team and it's this really excellent one of those films that balances really well the is the stuff that's happening supernatural or not and the is this just straight up bad things happening or is it an analogy to something else that happens in our lives and the way we're affected, right? Because um, it's a woman and her child in their apartment building in one of the cities that during the war gets shelled with rockets periodically. So as that external threat like escalates as the war progresses, you know, you, you the shadow being literally under the shadow of war, right? But then also the, the supernatural horror seems to come from within. So you get this really excellent balancing act of, you know, how much of this is analogous to the the power of our own emotions under the stress of the external problem and how much of this is just ghost story. And is it ghost story or is it human story? We don't know. And it's it's done really brilliantly. I think I've mentioned that before, but the other one I haven't mentioned is Veronica out of Spain. Um mm. it's just phenomenal. I mean, it's it's a demon possession movie. But it's just done differently and not in any kind of cool, quirky, buzz phrase way. It was just fresh. It just felt new. Like I'd never, it never quite occurred to me before. And it's, it's very straightforward. You know, the, the kids play around with a Ouija board and the one of them gets uh, possessed is the word I'm looking for. And then just the film happens. You know, there's, there's none of this weird twisty turny play with the genre. It's just this really excellent, straightforward, demonic possession film in you just bring something new to the table. Like for example, at one point, um, our main character, Veronica is sees a demon strangling one of her siblings. And so she wrestles with it and finally manages to pull it off. And it's a real struggle. 
and she tries to go back to the sibling to talk to them, but that's not what just happened. She was strangling her sibling. Oh, shit. Or did the demon look like her and do that to turn her siblings against her? We don't know. That's the question. And mm-hmm. and so the film handles that really well. And it especially handles isolation really well. We've talked before about how isolation is a key component in a horror film, whether it's a magical force field or a snowstorm or a spaceship, right? You can't have your characters just running off back to normal life to get help. Under the shadow, obviously, there's a war. So like at night, the whole city is under a blackout and you can't go outside, right? So it's just this community of apartments. But with Veronica, none of that really happens. She just has to take care of her siblings at home while her mom works. That, that's it. That's why she can't leave, because what's going to happen to them? You know, and sure, the, she feels like the demon is threatening them. And like if she left, you know, bad things would happen. But like she just she keeps going to school while this is happening. She has these periods of normal in between periods of suffering. And it was just really brilliant because, yeah, she's instead of forcing the character to stay somewhere, the character chooses to stay, which was nice. That was on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it still is, but you should totally check it out. The other one I was thinking of was Mandy, which I haven't seen that yet. I'm just bringing to the podcast because I don't think any of you have seen it, right? No. Yeah, at some point that's... Yeah, that one, it's good. It's Nick Cage, and it's neon, and it's amazing. <laughs> Sarah um, says Oculus, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, Ooh, I've had that recommended yeah. a few times. I haven't seen that. Um, in, in just a selfish desire to continue the conversation, I'm going to bring a uh, 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 situational topic, which I'll put here. It is, it is time for another <laughs> situational movie recommendation. Don't you clap on my recording ever again. <laughs> um, I was interested to hear uh, favorite um, parody or commentary on a specific genre movies from everybody. I think this is a, a great kind of window into how, like Zeke was talking about, the two different tones and lens within horror just between Cabin in the Woods and Scream. This covers a lot of ground. So it doesn't have to be specific to horror, just in, in general, a, a peri, peri, parodic film, parody, I guess. Another one that I really like from horror is Behind the Mask, the legend of, um, what's his name? I just had it up. Gene, not Gene, Leslie Vernon. Yeah, they were generic white man names. Um, that one's really good in, in terms, it's, it's a documentary crew following around a serial killer in the style of Jason or Freddy um, or Michael Myers. So it, it's really kind of fun and it, it plays with the formula um, because it's a, a, we're getting to see all the behind the scenes stuff of like, man, you really got to get your cardio like to be <laughs> this kind of monster and killer. And it, it's got a cool kind of twist. And because we're seeing it from the lens of behind the, the documentary film crews lens, I, I really like that one. Um, Another one real recently that I don't even know if I would call it a parody. It's it's probably a parody. It's probably offensive to uh, um, Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. I recently oh, watched yes. for the first time. And that dude loves Kung Fu movies. Like, it, it, it was definitely marketed as like, here's a stupid stoner comedy. But it's it's great with like, 
kung fu tropes in a way and in i it it's really fun the two i have are horror related actually uh funny games oh fuck man which we've Get shit together, Phil. <laughs> that every time I hear that, and I haven't thought about it in a while, it just <laughs> brings my b- brain back to the damaged place. Yeah, we <laughs> should we should bring that to the podcast at some point. And um, I guess if it counts, Zombieland. Oh, that's the one I was going to for pick. sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely, sorry. it does. Yeah, because it's. I mean, on the one hand, it's definitely a zombie movie. But on the other hand, everyone's having a good time. So, yeah, I'll let Tim. I'll let you talk about that more, please. Um, yeah, no, just like that you're getting, yeah, it's, it's, it's got those, that feel of like a documentary because like Jesse Eisenberg is kind of like narrating, you know, and then, you know, they're giving like, oh, here are the rules and you got to do this, you know, that's what made me think of it. You're like, oh yeah, you know, going to get your cardio and it's like, oh, do the double tap, you know, that whole thing. And, um, yeah, just that like, uh, you know, it's a, it's, that's the thing too, is like, it's a zombie movie, but there's so little of it that you're actually like scared, you know, um, and, uh, you know, and I, I also love that, you know, that, that you get that, that sort of double reference towards the end when it's like, he's going to fight the zombie clown. It's like, oh God, it's like zombies or clowns are bad enough, but this is a zombie clown, you know, like, um, yeah. And it's, it's just, uh, I, I feel like it's also kind of poking fun at the idea of like, but you know, maybe if there was a zombie apocalypse, it might be kind of fun because you could just get a bag of guns and just unload on a bunch of zombies. And that might be kind of cool, you know, like, um, yeah, but, you know, and uh, yeah, I feel like that's definitely like kind of referencing the genre and referencing, you know, a similar thing where, okay, here's a character who has watched movies like this and has learned about this and is now like applying that to what the world is. And, um, yeah, I still haven't seen the second one though. I feel embarrassed that Me I too. haven't I watched it. As much as I love Zombieland, I haven't seen the second one. But Oh, wow. I liked it. So, yeah, I liked it a lot okay. too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Zombieland was going to be one of mine as well. Um, I will talk about, so, you know, when it first came out, I loved, uh, scary movie. I think I liked the second one too. Um, it was just unfortunate to see the, just, and maybe they were, I don't know that they were ever great quality, right? Even those first ones, but then there was scary movie three, four, five, then they did date movie and epic movie and disaster movie, uh, superhero movie. And they just kept getting worse and worse. And, um, those were ones that I definitely was a fan of and watched a lot. And I think I've seen all of those, but at some point then the, all of them up until that point. And I know they kept cranking them out and they've gone straight to DVD and they're just, uh, so, so bad. <laughs> um, I think the favorites for me that I always jump out are the, um, Leslie Nielsen one. So airplane naked gun, um, yeah. just classic you know, making fun of disaster movies or police movies. Um, I, I just like his style of humor and the slapstick and, you know, the very specific witty jokes. Um, those have just always been favorites for me. And the rest of this episode is just airplane quotes, everybody. So <laughs> have a good night. That's when my drinking problem started. <laughs> uh, you reminded me of Game Night, actually. A lot more recent. Yeah, Game Night's so good. Oh, I'm so glad you love it. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And they do send up the like murder mystery stuff. Part of it is the premise, right? That mm-hmm. they're going to do one of those immersive murder mystery games where the actors come to your house. But then 
real people show up and actually kidnap the guy, so our hapless <laughs> characters embark on an actual, after actual criminals, thinking that they're just playing this fun game the whole time. So, like, obviously, part of that is the premise. But then they, like, they make fun of that and of themselves and of the murder mysteries, like, ten times over. I don't, I don't know. It just keeps going. They keep adding more layers. And they have all the great little meta jokes, like the coffee tables. It's an underrated one. You just have comedy and yeah that one every few years a comedy comes out that just you know cracks you up and it's like okay this is a good comedy movie i think that was one of the more recent ones for me too definitely i that made oh, me think of thing. Yeah. sorry please get me no, out of here no i just it made me think of uh the producers which yeah, i think is fucking yeah. hilarious um mm-hmm. <laughs> does water boy or uh um uh jackie moon why can't i remember uh semi-pro uh, Semi-pro. I was just about to say that too. I just googled uh, sports parody movies because I was like, I've got to like something yeah. that parodies sports movies, and so Dodgeball, Semi-Pro. Oh, Dodgeball! Uh, <laughs> I think all of those that kind of follow that sports formula of like, here's a team that's. I would count Talladega Nights. Just any of those that are like, here's a here's a team, and they'll you know the formula of like, and I, I think Dodgeball uh, especially fits that Semi-Pro. It's so real, too, which I love because it's like yeah. it's not like here's a an underdog team that comes up and takes it all. Like here's an underdog team that comes up just enough to, you know, I don't know. It's it's they do that's they do a great job with that one. I think that was a sleeper. I feel like when people bring up Will Ferrell movies, they're not talking about semi pro, yeah. and I think they're wrong. It, it's it, that movie is good. Yeah, that was a good one, Joel. Thank you. Thanks. Very nice. Yeah. Solid and pick this, too. I think like even though I'm I'm being a little you. piss baby, like this was I enjoyed this discussion a lot. That's why I picked it. Like I said, I, I like what it says about horror as a gateway to conversation. You know, so I wasn't so worried about whether y'all were gonna like it or not, because I knew it was gonna give us lots of material to work with. I blame cinema sins. <laughs> I have I have all these notes I, I took before Cinema Sins. I still blame so, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so next month, Tim is our selector. Oh, Tim, right. what do you bring us? I'm so scared. I have no idea what's coming. <laughs> oh, it, it's not that bad. Um, so I'm bringing the the movie Mute. Oh, okay. Which is uh, oh. it's a, it's on Netflix. I think I don't know. I don't know if it's a Netflix original mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but it's it's another one of those. When I watched it, I was like, oh, I got to do this for the podcast. You I'm know, so excited for this. And, uh, and yeah, so and another little preface too. So I think it was, it's by the director, same director as the movie Moon, which I had talked about years ago, possibly bringing Moon to the podcast. Um, yeah, because there were jokes about Moon, Mute, right? So his next film is going to be like, you know, much mom, yeah. many, <laughs> my, all right. It's all going to yeah. be monosyllabic M words, right? Right. <laughs> the um, M cinematic universe. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so it's one of those things where, like, if you get a chance to watch Moon, it, it's and it's and it, there, I, I've also talked about this before. Is there is a subtle connection between the two? So, but it's not important that you watch Moon to be able to understand this. That's just there is a little a little bit of a like a nod to Moon. Um, so you don't have to watch Moon, but if you're if you're you know kind of a completionist like me, where it's like oh I need to see the whole thing and see it in order so I understand the continuity of it, you know fine, but you don't have to. Um, 
And uh, I think that was part of it too, is I think for a while moon was also on Netflix, but I don't think it is anymore. So I also didn't want to be like, yeah, go find it somewhere. So mute is still on Netflix. Um, it, yeah, it was great. It was, and it was one of those, I remember watching it being like, why hasn't Scott seen this already? You know, and I don't know if it was because it's just like, Oh, they're trying to rip off blade runner by doing well, no, this. I can tell you exactly why. Noir. Um, they were doing Altered Carbon at the same time. Oh, TV right. series. Yeah. And those both came up. And I was like, I, I'll just do one first. So I just picked Altered Carbon first and then didn't even finish like the third episode. And just, I, I don't know. I don't, I might I have to give it another try. It didn't latch on. And then I kept seeing Mute and going, ah, but I should finish Altered Carbon right, the TV yeah. series. And it's like, I got a ton more hours. And, I just, and it just never happened. You know, nothing. I know almost yeah. nothing about it except the basic trailer so i'm really excited oh good yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's good there was you know i i went into it not really knowing much of what it was about you know they give you a little oh, it's this bartender and you know um but yeah it ended up having like a lot more depth than i was expecting um you know it has paul rudd in it which was a huge selling point for me and you know it, and it's a, it's a kind of very different role for him you know uh, which was kind of, of course, like the thing that drew me in was like, he's like leaving and he's leaving someone in charge. He's like, Oh, no soda, you know, which is like a, a total Paul Rudd line where it's like this thing that's funny, but it's normal, but it's like funny because of how he's saying it somehow, you know? And it's like, so it was just like, yes, you had me at no soda. Like, <laughs> yes, I'll watch that, you know? Um, but it's great. Like he's great in it. Like everybody is great in it. The, uh, and I, here's one of the things too, I want to set up this, you know, this in mind. we've had the discussion for about whether something is noir versus neo-noir. So I'm interested to see, and I haven't seen enough in the genre to really, really know that, be able to make a distinction. So I, I want to, I want that to be part of the discussion, you know, you know, what you, your take is and why, whether it's just noir that's set in the future or if it's actually a neo-noir. I have a few ideas, but I don't want to say them yet because I'm probably wrong. Um, and if I say it now, it'll kind of give it away. But uh, so anyway, yes, uh, I think it's going to be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching again. I watched it once and I was like, yes, like don't, don't watch this again. Cause you want to burn out on it, but it'll be great to rewatch it and kind of, you know, get back into that world. Awesome. That sounds amazing. I already, we haven't even seen it. I already want to say good pick. Yeah. It'll <laughs> <laughs> yes. be our next month's film listeners. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And until then, uh, well, I was going to say don't spell, but not like you have much choice in the matter, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, listeners. Good night. Bye. Bye. I just think it would have been cooler with a merman. Did you know Movie Mumble has its very own Twitter account? Please follow us on Twitter at MovieMumbleNTG and tweet at us with questions, reviews, or recommendations of things you'd like us to watch next.